Welcome to the Utah Women in Leadership podcast series. Today we're going to be talking about women leaders in business. Last year we updated a brief titled The Status of Women Leaders in Utah Business, a 2018 update. And we want to discuss some of the highlights in this podcast today. I'm Dr. Susan Madsen, founding director of the Utah Women in Leadership Project, and I'm here with Robin Scribner, the project's assistant director. First, I wanted to just mention, why do we do some of these briefs in general? Because they're research and policy briefs. But one of the main purposes of our project is to lead social change in the state in terms of women, education, and leadership. And what the research talks about and what we know works is that you need to bring awareness. You need to create an urgency. And these briefs help do that. So we do them to help change policy, but to lead social change. And the research says that people need to be aware of what's happening to really fill the gap and to be able to really want to understand and lead and change in terms of women leaders. Right. And that's why so much of what we do compares Utah to the nation, understanding how women are doing all across the country, and then really how women in Utah are facing some different challenges and how important it is to recognize, understand those challenges in order to address them. And so most of our briefs we we do, we look at and do the research behind what is happening in Utah, and then we compare to the nation. So we look up secondary research in the nation to have those comparisons. But first, I do get pushed back from time to time saying, why is this even important? Why does this matter that we have more women in business leadership? What would you respond to that? Oh, uh, there are so many reasons. In fact, we have a whole research brief and another podcast on this very topic. Why do we need women leaders? And so the business case is very clear that companies are much more successful when they have gender diversity within their top levels of leadership. But that's also true in our political organizations, in our governments, nonprofits. Having more women at the table using their voices brings better outcomes in all areas. We really do know that. I mean, oh, there's yeah. th- thousands of studies that say that. And again, we have a brief called Why Do We Need More Women Leaders in Utah that really outlines that business case. And when I say business case, I don't mean it's just for business. It can relate to women in politics, women in nonprofits, and other types of settings. So this matters. So before we start walking through some of the statistics, one of the things that's important to note is we do get dinged in Utah with the rankings. And a couple of the rankings that we, you know, when they compare Utah to the nation or to other states, a couple, there's like four main things that that really get us in Utah. And a couple relate to women in business. Right. And one of them really is the wage gap. And another one is the percentage of women in management positions. And this actually comes from the census data. And across the nation in 2017, this is 2017 data, about 40% of managerial jobs are women now? And in Utah, it's about 32%. So that comes from census data. So we have that number in our report. And that 8% gap is pretty significant, right? It really is. And then what we did was really take and look mainly at the CEO position. Mm-hmm. The If there's a president, we looked at that. Oftentimes, they're the same. And then we looked at corporate boards. And then one other thing, there's many companies here in Utah that don't have their boards here. And don't actually have their formal president here, like Adobe. 
They have their board someplace else, but they have a head position. And a, a large presence direct, here within yeah, the state, yeah. right? So we didn't want to leave them out of our research. And so we collected that information as well. In Utah, we did find in all areas that we're below the nation. And that was no surprise. Right. But probably, I, I don't know if you agree with me, but the biggest surprise to me was actually when we compared it to three years earlier, the, the data that we had three years earlier, we actually went slightly down. I know. And that's so <laughs> frustrating, right? Yeah, it really was. We went down specifically with the percentage of CEOs in the companies that were in our sample and also corporate boards and in terms of the managers. So so we went slightly down. Not not this huge thing, but we needed to go up because we're significantly below the nation. Right. In terms of CEOs and companies here in Utah, we are 4.7% have female chief executive officers. And so most of our state has male officers. So any thoughts about that? Yes, it's interesting because we had a hard time with some of these specific numbers doing an exact apples to apples comparison because of the sample size and the type of companies that we were looking at. But we did notice, especially we were looking at mostly larger companies. So with uh, companies larger than 100 employees, we were really below the nation in terms of the percentage of our CEOs. And one thing that I found really interesting in our study uh, is that many women who do become CEOs of smaller companies become CEOs because they start the company themselves. Yes. And so I thought that's, that's actually a fascinating quite part com- of the research. Yeah, and that's common uh, across the nation specifically, but I think it's a little more exaggerated here. Mm-hmm. And one thing I didn't say when we talked before, which I think is important for listeners, is when we slightly went downhill, you know, in our number, we, we weren't tied to begin with, but in this follow-up report, we've gone down. We really think that we will give credit to that downturn <laughs> to technology companies. Right. Um, because I, I, and we love having technology companies move into Utah. We do. I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah. I know you've worked for technology companies and, um, and they're wonderful. And we have, we do partner with some of those for the events. But when you generally bring a technology company, there's going to be, it's more likely that you will have less spots on corporate boards and those CEO spots and president spots will be, will be women. Right. And so it makes sense that we see that even though we don't have data that absolutely prove this, we know that technology is becoming a larger, more prominent sector within all our industry within the state of Utah. And it is clearly demonstrated across the country that technology as a sector, as an industry has lower level of women, higher levels of leadership. And as you mentioned, I, I'm a co-founder of a tech company I started with my husband and knowing that it is a challenge to find women with a background and experience, but there's a lot of complicated factors in going into this. But awareness is actually the start. It is. Because we still have many, and I'm, I'm seeing more men kind of start to want to get it, want to become aware. But if you're not paying attention to gender or race or other kinds of things, you just get people on the board that look like you. Yeah, that you already know, the people that you worked with at your last company. And so this this is a big deal within our state, especially our technology industry. I've been to the Silicon Slopes Summit for the last couple of years, and there's so much conversation about this. So there's a desire for the change. There's a desire for progress. 
but there needs to be more knowledge and awareness of how to actually make that shift. And there are a lot of things that companies can do. So that is is a great point. And I'm smiling a little bit because I'm trying to decide if I should bring it up or not. But you were there at Silicon Slopes when one of the CEOs made that comment that got some major press. Do you want to talk about that? Yes. Well, uh, one of our local CEOs, who's a, who's a big sponsor of Silicon Slopes, just made a comment kind of to all the women in the audience, hinting that the reason why they were there was to see this hunky A-Rod come out and talk. And I think it was a... Kind of a joke. I, yeah. But- and I don't think he was deliberately trying to be offensive, but it just kind of emphasized this prevailing attitude that maybe women aren't really as serious. Maybe they really don't have a place here, which there was a huge backlash. Yes. And so I appreciated the backlash and the swift response to say, hey, women are here. We're super valuable in this industry. And we want to be leading in a, in a valuable force within the tech sector in Utah. And actually, I think that situation really helped motivate leaders of Silicon Slopes to re- to look again at their board. Mm-hmm. And so they've got a new board. I happen to be <laughs> going to be at my first meeting oh, soon with them. But uh, as you look at the pictures now of the board of Silicon Slopes, there's more women That's great. Um, in, in the conversation and some women of color. And I'm not sure if there's a man of color there, but some diversity on that board because you don't want to miss things. Yes. You just want to be more aware and help others be more aware of that as well. So one of the things that we report on in our data is the size of companies. And so we looked at chief CEOs by gender and employee count, and our results follow national trends. So the smaller the company, the more likely the woman will, more women are just CEOs of smaller companies here in the state. Right. And we see that actually across industries. We see that in nonprofits as well. So sometimes the larger organizations, the more a company grows, the more they think, oh, well, we've got to have this exact type of leader at the head, and that leader is less likely to be a woman. So that's another area really where we need to draw more awareness and recognize it doesn't need to be this way. There's no reason for it to be this way. Another factor that we've talked about a little bit is the idea that when we're looking at C-suite positions of all types, women are more likely to be in certain roles and not in others. So when women are the C-suite, they're not likely to be the CEO or the COO. They're more likely to be the chief uh, officer over HR or over marketing or finance. So some of those areas... And we know that COOs are the most likely to become the next CEOs. Yeah, and so we need true. to get more women into some of those specific roles. I, I totally agree. We looked as well, and we didn't find some real significance there, but we looked in the state of Utah on uh, region. So by regions and counties and so forth. And we definitely found our highest percentages of women in those chief executive officers, CEO roles in Box Elder and Cash. That was different, right? And then also up north in Davis uh, and Salt Lake, Tooele and Weber counties. So we won't go into that too much. But we definitely, when we looked at industries, found, and, and we follow national trends in these areas as well. We might be, again, a little more exaggerated. What are some things that caught your eye? Yes, and that's one of the things that we see nationally is that women are more likely to be CEOs in certain areas, healthcare, uh, marketing, you know, different types of industries where women are serving. But one thing that was fascinating in our own sample is that one of our highest percentages was in transportation and warehousing. Now, this was a small sample size, but that kind of went against a stereotype or against tradition, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, so we also 
did all of this analysis for corporate boards too. Yeah. Mostly up to this point, we've been talking about CEO positions, but we've done corporate boards and some of the same themes really move along in Utah with what we're seeing with CEOs uh, in terms of our numbers and percentages in, in the different areas, especially like industry and, and region and those kinds of things as well. So where are we in Utah? Well, looking at the board directors, the board chairs themselves, we actually moved up a little bit from 2014. So we were- It's at, a small sample. Yes, a small <laughs> sample again, but we were at 7% versus 5.4% in 2014. But when it came to the total number of board seats, so those serving generally on corporate boards, we were down from where we were in 2014. Yeah. And when we, again, when we compare to the nation, we're actually significantly below, but it's hard to look at the data because we, we can only see certain things. We, we looked at Fortune 1000, S&P 500, S&P 1500, and really we looked at more Utah public right. companies when we compared to those. Because that's the information that's available easily, right? But one of the things that I found fascinating in these data was the connection between having women on boards of directors and the number of women in the highest levels of leadership as CEOs and C-suites. And there is a positive correlation that we found in the U.S. and also in the state of Utah. So, and it's a vice versa kind of situation. Yeah. So as women get on boards, we have more women CEOs. And as we have more women CEOs, we get more women on boards. Yeah, and we and so can't tell a, exactly which causes which. I mean, some people will say when a woman gets in that top leadership team, and especially at that CEO level, there's more of a careful look at who's serving on the board. Absolutely. But I think it could go the other way as well. Because the boards have, have a serious role in who's going to be playing that top spot, right? Absolutely. And oftentimes, if you really don't have diversity on those, you really don't think about those issues. But if you have even one woman, but as we know, the research globally says about 30% is the tipping point. So if you have a board with 10 seats on it, really three is the tipping point for women. But even sometimes it matters to women, but if you have one, sometimes you can call that out. But women don't love sometimes being representing all women the token, in the world. Right? The token woman. <laughs> well, you feel like that sometimes. The token, but also just feeling like you're speaking for all, you know, women in the world because you're the happen to be the one woman. And uh, you know, I will say that having one woman is better than having no women. Yes. And one of the things that was really striking in our sample was that 56% had no women on their board. That's that was disturbing, uh, right? And frustrating. Well, I mean, you see that nationally, but but that's above the national average. And and that's I have to say, Robin, that I'm a bit opinionated on this. Mm -hmm. But I just don't think that's acceptable it's anymore. Not. And I know you you know, you and your husband started that company. And um I know you've told me that you've talked to him. You've talked to him and and the president of the company about you. There are women, there are prepared women. Yes. We need to make sure and it, it matters to have women on those boards. Yes, and we know this, and that's one of the things that we wrap up this brief with is the idea again of the business case. And we know that if you're getting women in your boards of directors, in those chair seats, in the highest levels of leadership, every area of the business and organization improves. Yeah. So what are some of those benefits that come to us as we have more gender diversity within our top levels of leadership? Yeah, there's so many benefits, like you talked about at the first. But again, we have those in our brief, uh, why does it? Why do we need more women leaders in Utah? A few other quick things, and then I really want to get to some 
ways, recommendations, the, the companies, right? yeah, some of the solutions. But we did find some diversity in terms of corporate board members and gender by region. The the one actually that that really stuck out in a positive way for the corporate boards was really Utah County, Wasatch, and Summit County. That there were some boards up there, uh, for profit boards that really did have some women and do have some women on those. So things. some bright spots, yeah, right? I Good. think so. So we have analyzed. We don't want to get into that data too much, but just know that we have a brief, and it's very. I just spoke this morning, and I said one of the reasons for reading these briefs is sometimes we just move along and make decisions and so many things are unconscious. And until we move the conversation from unconscious to even being in the conversation, so unconscious to conscious, then we know we're more aware. And that's why I have to say, as we move to kind of some, how how do we continue to move the needle? What are some of the solutions? I've been doing so much thinking and preparation and do a lot of training now on unconscious bias. Oh, yes. And that is really a good, and it's not for just white men. I'm saying it's for me. Oh, everybody Um, has unconscious bias, right? But recognizing it is the first step in working against it. it. Yeah. And we have it in, in different ways for different, in different elements. We have it for people. I hear people say all the time, those Utah drivers. (laughs) So not all drivers in Utah are really bad. And I'm sure every state has. But we we kind of have that thing and it becomes a bias. Yes. You know, and we make just when you see a red convertible driving, we have these biases, you know, maybe good, maybe bad. But that's one of the things that companies can do more for the employees in general, but it helps bring women into promotions and bring women on corporate boards and stuff when we have more training. Mm -hmm. I love some of the recommendations that we make at the end of this brief on how companies can start moving the needle and making sure that they're getting more women in higher levels of leadership. And we've got a couple of organizations within the state of Utah that work specifically on this. We know the Women's Leadership Institute with their Elevate Her Challenge is a strong force that companies can take and say, we're making a pledge. There are other, you know, challenges and pledges that companies can take in order to say, we're making a public statement here, a public commitment to do this. What are some other ways that well, the companies I, I can Well, I do need shift? to say, the, the, sometimes the bad part with those pledges, they're, they're good mostly, but occasionally you'll have a company just like, I'm going to check that off my list. We're doing the work that we need to do because we have taken this, but... Uh, oh, yeah, you it's know, only a stepping stone. Uh, it's just a starting it's only point, a right? Stop. But I, I do like what you said about it needs to be public. Yeah. Um, and you need to just join in the conversations. Another thing that I don't think we mentioned in the brief, but just being in the co- in the conversation with, with our work, and we're really an umbrella organization and, and work with women's groups across the state and networks. Uh, we have a monthly newsletter that goes out that really keeps people in the loop with research and resources and some of the events, not just ours, but our partners as well. Right. So no business. Oh, I was going to say, no businesses in the state of Utah can say, well, we don't know. We're uninformed. We have all the research and information that they need right there on our website. Yeah, and resources. I mean, if they email us, we put them in connect, you know, connect them with other folks who are doing things, other networks, other organizations as well. So there's, as you said, we recommend some other uh, things as well. Women's business networks and groups across the state are one way to move things forward. And we're actually collecting a list of 
for-profit companies and those that have women's groups. Yes, I'm excited about this initiative because those internal groups are a great place to train, mentor, and develop more women to move into those top levels of leadership. So I think that's really crucial. And more and more companies are recognizing the need for that and instituting those types of programs. There's some great theory and research that really helps, you know, and just the research says that, you know, those women's groups and networks can be effective. But if they're designed in specific ways, they can be even more effective. Mm -hmm. And so looking at research and theory around that really is important in those women's networks. And by the way, uh, just a little comment about leadership development, leadership programs for everyone are good. You know, although if if they're not designed well, they're again, about 75% of leadership programs in general are not shown to move the needle. So they need to, to be designed well. But there's a real benefit to having women only programs and women only networks. There are many things that that men can come to as well. But especially in deeper development, leadership development, there the research is clear that women will not talk openly about certain things that they might struggle with, work life kinds of things, mm-hmm. harassment, those kinds of things if men are in the room. So and I would say of- the opposite. I mean, the other side, the coin as well. Sometimes men need development and the conversations change if women are in, in the a room. single gender environment, yeah. right? So some of those conversations are going to be more effective and beneficial in that setting. Uh, I loved another point that we made at the end of this brief about how important it is for our colleges and universities to be doing more to recruit women into business settings. I know at Utah Valley University, you're in our business school and, and we're working hard there to make sure that we're getting women and keeping them graduating in businesses and looking toward a long career of business leadership. And it's been a challenge, I have to say. So I'm in the Woodbury School of Business and a leadership professor, uh, organizational leadership professor. And we have been working since I've been there. And it's been about 18 years on really getting more women students across the nation in schools of business, you're hitting 40 to 50% of students are women and even in MBA programs as well. And in Utah, it's much lower. It's between 20 and 30% are students and at UVU, it's even lower, but we're doing things to change that. And so I think that's room for growth, it sounds like. Yeah, there are. And, and we need to actually, you get into socialization a little bit. We need to actually help women uh, as we raise girls, help them see that there's many choices. Yeah. That you can be an elementary school teacher and that's wonderful. But you can also, if your heart and passion and skills go towards computing, you know, technology, IT, business is great for women. You know, we need to change those as well. So public policy is the last one I would just to point out that we continue to need public policy um, in terms of wage gap and a lot of other things that we just need to keep our finger or eye on, whatever the metaphor is, I'm not sure, um, to pay attention to that. But I love the idea that there are a lot of different stakeholders. I mean, our businesses are a driving force of our total economy and our well-being in the state. And so to make sure that all these different stakeholders are involved in these conversations is going to be critical in moving the needle forward. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast series hosted by the Utah Women and Leadership Project in the Woodbury School of Business at Utah Valley University. Our core mission is to strengthen the impact of Utah girls and women. If you want to read the research we discussed today or learn more about our research, resources, and events, please visit us at utwomen.org. Thank you.